This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. I want to deal with this psalm. It's a neat psalm in the sense that it deals with the captivity in Babylon, which scripturally speaking in the Old Testament really is the second interlude. It's the the story after the story, and it really is about the Christian life. And what do you mean about the Christian life? Well, what happens is that we go out of Egypt and, and we uh, God delivers us from the world. And you have the whole picture of uh, taking us to, uh, to meet himself and to, to know him and to go into the promised land and, and learning how to walk by faith and not by sight and learning how to trust in him and learn how to uh, overcome the giants of this world. Um, and then there is the seduction of other gods. And that is the story after the story. And uh, the seduction of other gods is the seduction for uh, uh, the believer uh, to worship others. And and I've said this before, and I say it again. I say it uh, a lot. Everybody worships something. Everybody worships something. There, there, there are no true agnostics. There's nobody out there that has no God. They all have gods, and they all believe in gods, and they all place their faith in God. Even the the modern secular humanist, they worship God, and that God is man. There are three primary categories of who people worship, who human beings worship. The first category is, and primarily, the first and primary category is, first of all, we worship the one true God, Yahweh. We worship uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, We worship the God who is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, Jesus Christ. Um, Even the Jews worship that God. They don't believe in Jesus, but they worship that God. And then you have those who created things. And those created things, or and and this second group, or the second and third group, are really a subcategory of each other. They worship created things. They may worship uh, their job. They may worship someone else. They may worship uh, something they own. They may worship. They may worship a uh, activity or sport, or they may worship. They worship something that is created, something in this world, and and that worship is a it's a, it's a key kind of worship. It's a seductive worship. It's easy to get into. It's easy to get into worshiping something that you have, or some some aspect of who you are, or some aspect of the character of things around you, or some or or some achievement or things like that, and uh, you worship that God, and that God is a created being, a cre- something in creation. And uh, you've made it into your God. You formed it, fashioned it, and made it into the thing that is most important to you and that you glorify. And then finally, and the most seductive aspect of worship is the worship of oneself. And uh, and that is easily done as Christians. We, it, I call it Christian humanism. And what that is, that's the uh, idea that you want to worship God but you want God to be the way you want him to be. And uh, true humanism is to worship oneself and believe that you are the center of existence and you the everything emanates from you. 
And what's important is to take care of you. And so your provision, your safety, your everything revolves around you. And boy, don't we do that a lot. It, all of life revolves around us. It, it, and it's easy. It's seductive. We grow up with it. The original thing you worship is yourself when you're born. Mm -hmm. uh, you're the most important thing in the world. And it's hard to dissuade that when you're dealing with small children. Am I right? The terrible twos is really the world's realization that the, the, the child's realization that the center of the universe is not them. And that's why it's so terrible, uh, because they realize that life doesn't revolve around them and, and everything's not about them. And uh, the problem is a lot of parents don't dissuade their children of that idea. And so by the time they get to teenagers, they really literally think the whole world revolves around them, and it doesn't. And humanism is such an easy it, it is so, it's, it's so seductive. It really is. It just pulls us in. We want to worship ourselves. We want to love me. It's like uh, O.T.O., the great uh, saying from Terrell Owens, who's from these parts. He said, I love me some me. Well, I think that really describes everybody. And the ultimate act of love and the ultimate act of uh, self-devotion is actually so it's the taking of one's life it's the it's the belief that that you are so important that you have the power and you should have the authority to determine when you live and when you die and and see how that seductive that is and getting carried off to the worship of other gods is the old testament story after the story and and it is easy for believers and really this story is about and for believers because um because other things try to drag us away from God and other endeavors, other activities, other things that that are not as important as actually who our God is. Those things tend to pull us away and drag us away from who God is. And so when we come to this psalm, we find the psalmist who is in captivity in Babylon. And by the way, Babylon is a picture of the other religions, the other gods. Babylon the Great in the Old Testament is, in the Revelation, is this one world false religion. And that one world false religion was set up right after the fall of man. Satan's whole desire has been to get man to not worship God, but to worship him. Now, the problem is that man's selfish and just as selfish as Satan. And so when Satan thought he he got Adam and Eve to uh, do what he wanted. He thought that they were now on his team. And what he didn't realize is that that we're those little children that uh, want to worship ourselves. And we weren't on his team. We were all on our own team, which just causes absolute chaos in the universe. And it has caused chaos in the universe. And so that seduction to leave God and to worship other things, it just pulls on us. It yanks on us. It's real. It is real. And we want to focus our hearts and our minds on things, anything but the God who, who loved us and who, who redeemed us. And so he says here, he says here, I, I will pray. Um, he says here, by the rivers of Babylon, and notice that's not the rivers of Jordan. It's not the river Jordan. It's not the, it's not the, it's not the river that, that flows from the throne of God. He's been pulled away into captivity, into worshiping other gods, into worshiping the gods that we make for ourselves and, and the gods that we make of ourselves. And he's been pulled away to worship them. He says, when we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered the kingdom of God. And that's really what happens when you start chasing after other gods and you start uh, searching for other uh, other places and other other people to worship and other things to worship, and especially to worship yourself. 
when you start chasing after those things, when you are start uh, struggling after those things, when that's who you are, you sit by that river and you remember what it was to to worship and to and to love and to chase after God. And you mourn there. You mourn beside that river. He says, we hung our hearts upon the willows in the midst of it. And, and I think of those weeping willows beside those rivers. And you've been there before. You've gone off to, to uh, worship your own activities and you've gone off to, to love after your own self and you've gone after to chase after things of this world. And you found the bitterness that comes from And there is a deep bitterness that comes from that. And uh, notice they're not playing their hearts. They're not worshiping God uh, like we saw last night with the multitude on the glass sea singing the songs directly worshiping God. What have they done? They're done with their hearts. They've hung them on those weeping willow trees over there. And they're, and there's beside the uh, rivers of Babylon and they're, and they're just, they're just in the struggle. And it's, and it's a terrible place to be. He says, for there, those who carried us away captive asked uh, of us a song. Notice, even when you're there, you want to be able to sing a song of God and, and they want you to sing the song to them. And have y'all noticed that song from the past that that led you away to bitterness become bitter to you in, in the day you live in today? I, I have found that. I found that the songs who dragged me away from God, uh, the times where I was dragged away from God and the songs that I associate with those times, they're bitter songs and they're painful songs and they're, and they're, they're songs of rebellion and they're songs of, of death. And, and, and I, I don't like them a whole lot. When I went off to Princeton, Kathleen made me one of those little cassette tapes. Now, for those of you who are, who are less than 40 years old, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but that used to be a way in which we uh, gave each other music. And, and she gave me a cassette tape of a bunch of songs and, and they were songs for me to play. And really I only had two cassette tapes when I was at Princeton. I had that one and I think a Hank Williams Jr. or an Alabama cassette tape. And, and I can remember those songs on that cassette tape like, like they are today. And you know, the truth is, I don't really want to listen to them. You know why? Because I was by the River Babylon over there in, in, in Princeton and the songs were not sweet anymore. And even though they were sweet for her to make them for make that set, uh, cassette tape for me, they just really, they're just really painful, you know, and it was a painful experience. And I just don't want to leave. I don't even listen to me. I don't even want to listen to them anymore. And so he says, for those, uh, they're those who carried us away into cap. They asked us uh, to sing a song and those who plundered us requested mirth, uh, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. What they said is, we want to we want to hear about your kingdom. It's almost a mocking thing. And let me say that you cannot have two gods. That's what Jesus said. He was saying that about money, but the principle is the same all the way around. And by the way, money can be a god too. He says you cannot serve two masters. You'll love the one and hate the other, and, and that's always been the case. You're either going to serve God, and God's going to be the preeminent purpose in your life, the preeminent force in your life the most important thing in your life, or something else is going to be. And there can't be two of them. God's not going to allow that to be the case. He's a jealous God, and he's just not going to allow you to have other gods before him. In fact, he says that. It's one of, it's one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And be very careful, because the one God that you never really realize that you're worshiping, the one God that you never really realize that you're worshiping, but you sip, slip right back into it all the time is yourself. It's yourself. 
and it's a struggle. And 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 so when they ask them to sing a song of Zion when they're worshiping other gods, the answer is, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? And that's really what happens when you see people who wander away and are never really engaged in the worship of God in church. They never really get into it. Even you say they're at church, they ought to be able to get into it. No, because their hearts are far from God. And so when they're sitting there, they can't get into worshiping God and chasing after God because even though they may be physically present in the congregation, their hearts are far from God. And and this truth that's mentioned in verse five, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land is true because their hearts are in a foreign land. And it's hard to sing to God when you're chasing after gods that are, are elsewhere. It is, it's, it's a hard thing. And so we as believers need to realize that's what's going on. Uh, a lot of things can be seen and understand if you'll open your eyes and see them. Have you ever been in church and seen somebody and they're just not, they're not into chasing, singing to God. They're not into focusing their hearts and mind on him. It's likely their hearts are in a foreign land. It's likely that they've been uh, dragged off to worship some of the God. And the sad thing is that when you start being drugged off to worship yourself, that always leads to despair, hopelessness. It always leads to shame and doubt and fear. And then for it, you'll see them in church and they can't even sing because they're struggling with that shame and doubt and fear and hopelessness and despair. And they've been so worried about themselves and the things that are in their possession, whether they think they're in their possession or not. A lot of people think other people are their possessions, their children or their employees or things like that. And then when they realize that they're not, because you don't own anybody, you don't even own yourself, you've been bought at a price. When they realize that there's a lot of despair there, there's a lot of struggle there, there's a lot of control issues that go on. And so they can't sing. He says, if I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. What he's saying is, uh, I, I don't want to forget God. And see, there's this turning here. I can't sing of him in a foreign land, but I don't want to forget him. And you need to remember that. Just because somebody's struggling in the moment does not mean that they cannot get back to get back to the kingdom because the kingdom is in them. They just got to turn their focus from themselves back to where the place of focus has got to be. And it's got to be on God. And really, if you think about it, that is the Christian life. That is the struggle of the Christian life to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. And when we walk by sight, we walk by our, our, our eyes turned toward the things of this world and then not turn toward the things of God. And, and that becomes that becomes a big difficulty and a big struggle for us. It really, and it's a problem for us. And so when you're dealing with people, we're helping them to, especially believers, believers who've wandered away or believers who are struggling, you're helping them focus their hearts back around to the one true God. And when your heart is focused toward God, then the hope and the, the blessing, the life, it becomes to come back. And then the eyes clear up. And the vision of the situation becomes available to them. And that's what that if if the second story, the story after the story is being dragged away to worship other gods, then discipleship is about teaching people how not to be dragged away and how to focus their hearts and their minds on Christ and to walk with him and to allow his his leadership, his his love, his direction, his purpose to begin to take back over and take back control and for their hearts to be focused 
and worshiping the one true God. He says, if I forget, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. What he says is, I, I would rather worship. I'd rather not worship at all. I'd rather not even say anything at all. If I'm, if not, if I'm not going to worship the one true God. And when you get off and get into Babylon, when you get led off into captivity to worship other gods, when that happens, well, <clears throat> you get to the place where you get so tired of it, you don't want to have anything to do with it anymore. You, you just rather not even go. You just know, rather not even think about it. You just let your tongue be be tied to the top of your mouth. Let it be stuck there. And you just say nothing and do nothing. And you've seen that happen too. You've seen that around you and you've seen that in yourself. And that is the, the struggle after the story. It says, if I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. He says, uh, he says, I, I, I've got to, I've got to exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. I've got, I've got to make my chief joy God and and His purpose for me and His who He is. And it, it really is just about who He is. Uh, do you trust Him or do you trust yourself? He says, "Remember, O Lord, against the sons of Edom, the day of Jerusalem, who said, raise it, raise it to its very foundation.'" See, there's always those out here, out there to destroy God's kingdom. They're at work. He's, he's saying, remember when the sons of Edom said, we're going to destroy um, the kingdom of God. We're going to raise the kingdom of God. To the, for that Did it work then? No. And is Babylon going to win? Absolutely not, because the Persians come in and destroy them. And then God leads his children out of captivity, out of Persia, out of Iran, and they come back in and rebuild the promised land. So the story it just continues on. You can be led away into captivity and to worshiping other gods. It's a seductive thing, worshiping the things of this world and worshiping yourself. It's an easy, seductive thing. And you can be led away and you can come back from captivity and rebuild the temple and rebuild the kingdom. It, it, it happened in the Old Testament, and it's a picture of us being able to do it today. And learning from that picture is an important, important thing. And if we're going to talk on New Year's Eve, the truth is that we need to be we need to be people who are not easily led away. And we need to remember as we enter this new year that the, the world does, uh, does not revolve around us. The world revolves around the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and that our focus and our hearts need to be on Him and his purpose and his plan, and not and not the things of this world. It cannot be on the things of this world and be a good thing or be even a pleasing thing for us. He says, O daughters of Babylon, who are to be destroyed, happy who repays you as you have served us. That's what happens when you finally get away from it. When you get away from chasing after the things of this world, when you get away from being seduced into worshiping yourself, you look back on it and you say, that was, there was nothing really good about that. There was nothing really enjoyable about that. It was empty. It was cold and it was dead. And you daughters of Babylon, you're worthless to me and your days are in my past and I'm not going to have anything to do with you. He says, happy the one who takes and dashes your little ones against the rock. That's pretty That's pretty uh, tough talk as well as I do. Many of you who've been to the pig pen, who've chased after uh, other gods, who've wandered away, 
who've taken your inheritance to swander it in a foreign land. You, you and I, all of us know what that's like. And you remember those days, and you remember those times, and you remember those seasons, and you don't want to ever go back to them. I know many who have who spent days in, in addiction and days in, in chasing after things that drew them away from God. And when they realize where God is and, and they realize that God's uh, love is, is still with them, and still chasing after them, and they come back and they get their hearts and their minds. They never leave it again. Now, they may struggle with the, the shame and the difficulties of the past. They may struggle with the consequences of their sin. They may struggle with all kinds of things like that. But the truth is, once they get to that place where they realize that those gods are not the real God and there's no hope really in themselves, when they get to that place and they realize that, let me say this, you don't want to ever go back. You don't want to ever go back. You want to always walk in the peace and the prosperity that only comes with worshiping the one true God. The God of Abraham, the eyes of Isaac and Jacob, the God of uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the Father in heaven. And you want to find the Father's will. You want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, and you want to glorify the Son with your life. And when you do that and you really sincerely chase after that with your whole heart, you find that's the only place of peace and comfort. That's the only place of real, true joy. And that was the only real place of hope. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.